This is the PlaceOS podcast. I'm Landell, the sales director and podcast host today. PlaceOS is best known for working with smart buildings and workplaces where businesses like PwC, Deloitte and NTT use our platform to connect technology and build a user experience on top. But as an integration platform, PlaceOS is also used for some special projects that have nothing to do with buildings. I personally have a passion for improving healthcare and patient experience with technology. So when New South Wales Health first spoke to us about what they wanted to do, I was really excited to be involved. The idea was to use their video conferencing platform, Pexip, and build the health workflow around it so that it met their clinical needs. The resulting solution we called My Virtual Care. Donna Parks is my guest in this interview. I hope you get a sense of how good at her job she is and how great she is to work with, which is really important in these projects. But more importantly, it's just great to have passionate, hardworking people in our healthcare system, a system that most of us will have to access at some point. In this interview, we talk about the evolution of telehealth in New South Wales. We address specific features of My Virtual Care, the solution we developed with them. And we discussed the advantage of using a platform instead of just buying a product or instead of just starting from scratch. And I think that the market is starting to understand this a little bit more. Uh, I think we do pretty well at only using one acronym and LHD is a local health district. This interview is also a little bit of a peek behind the curtain into the discussions that I have with clients about the next business requirements and growing the solution that they have with new features. Now that they have 3,500 clinicians using the system and 1,700 responses to a patient survey, they've got ideas for what to do next and what else to bring in, whether it's an integration or an aspect of the interface. I, I really hope you enjoy this one and I hope that it gets you thinking about what other problems a platform can solve. Donna Parks, how are you? Oh, Landell, um, we're coping. I think that's uh, probably the best I can say. The last eight, nine weeks with uh, COVID in play in New South Wales has been challenging, to say the least. Um, but it's just been such a wonderful time. If we could ever ask for a silver lining, uh, we're in it. And certainly the um, uptake of telehealth over the last um, eight, nine weeks has just been extraordinary in this state. So, Yes, we're, we're coping and um, we're still smiling because at the end of the day, it's just been such a rewarding eight, nine weeks. Absolutely. I mean, they must have turned to you and just said, what are we going to do here with telehealth? And you went, oh, bam, here's something we've been working on for 12 months. Yeah, so that's been pretty much the the response, and we're fortunate that we did have um, a really good partnership with all the LHDs and specialist health networks across the state. And we work pretty closely anyway, so there were um, certainly the ability to upscale, and and all of the LHDs have uh, really charged forward to bring a lot more people to um, support the use of telehealth in this in their LHDs. But yes, it's been pretty much like you know here's something that we prepared earlier um, because it it's telehealth isn't new obviously but for some people it is very new and for particularly for some service um, providers and clinicians that uh, really haven't had you know to use uh, technology before it's been a real learning curve for them yeah absolutely and you guys must be run off your feet with supporting that 
Oh, look, it has absolutely been flat out. I don't think um, any of the telehealth managers and leads in the state, including myself, actually had a weekend until about seven weeks in. And that sort of also included the, the long weekend. So it was not something that we really expected. We, Our usage of clinical services, it's, you know, it's easy to give somebody a platform to use, isn't it, particularly if they're using video conferencing. But it's how do you train them, but it's more so the model of care that comes before that and making sure sure that the care that they're delivering is uh, clinically safe. So saying we've been run off our feet is probably, a, you know, a, a true statement. It's been a very chaotic and time-pressured environment over the last period of time. But um, we're all still smiling and we're here. So it's, you know, it's a bonus. And we haven't had anybody, any of the telehealth um, support people that's come down with COVID. So the workforce is strong. Oh, and I have to say you've done an excellent job. I mean, just... Shouting out to all of the um, the health workers and everybody who supports those health workers through tech or through through administration, especially in New South Wales. Like, what a fantastic job you guys have done! Yeah, um, look, it is extraordinary, isn't it? A lot of people yeah. come together to to make it work. Yeah, absolutely. Now, New South Wales Health have been doing using telehealth platforms for a while, and um, you alluded to that just before. It's not something new. What was the main driver for that initially? Well, you know, I, I think it's very clear why you would use telehealth platforms in the sense of, you know, when a, when a pandemic arrives or when there's an infectious disease that you want to keep people out of hospitals. But what was the original use for telehealth? Look, um, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, you know, telehealth's been around for, you know, probably 20, 30 years, um, you know, where the use of video conferencing, but a lot longer for that with the use of telephone. And I think, um, you know, just to clarify, when we talk about the umbrella of telehealth or virtual care in the same context, we talk about telephone, video conferencing, the use of email for asynchronous messaging um, or what we call store and forward. And we've also got the use of remote monitoring or, or the um, inclusion of apps. It probably is much more mature, I would think, in, or it certainly is much more mature in the very rural and regional areas of New South Wales. And that was probably purely out of necessity. And generally, it's about access to care. So, you know, our workforce can't, we, you know, it, it, we can't have specialists everywhere in the state. Unfortunately, we just don't have enough people uh, that are skilled appropriately to deliver all of those specialist services that exist in this in this state. Telehealth really came about due to um, necessity to being able to provide equity of access to clinical care. And um, I think from there it started to grow and is certainly now a modality that we see across our whole state, including into our metropolitan um, areas. And probably, so I think probably in the, you know, the last maybe two years, the metropolitan services uh, have really started to think and adopt uh, telehealth purely based on the fact that, you know, it is actually very convenient for their uh, patients as well. Even though they're in the city, it is still such a challenge to get across um, the city sometimes. And then there's also things like parking, but um, generally convenience is probably one of the main things that patients talk about. But certainly from a clinical perspective and, um, you know, there's always benefits for clinicians and also for the system in itself. And for the patients. I mean, I've, I've had to have, you know, get my little boy antibiotics and seen to you know and 
to be able to do that as a virtual consultation while I've got my other child at home. So we can wait in a virtual waiting room at home rather than having to lug the both of them down to a doctor's and, and, you know, you can't always get in with your GP when you need them. And so you have to go and see a random GP, but then it's just for an antibiotic script where you can, you can sort of already, uh, it's just so much more convenient, even for a parent like me to not have to drag two kids to sit in a physical waiting room for something as simple as, you know, an, an antibiotic script that can easily be distributed to us. Yeah, look, um, absolutely. I think, you know, it's about whether, um, you know, things are actually or clinical services are clinically appropriate to deliver. And I think um, what COVID has really brought is the opportunity to uh, take a fresh look at the way that we offer care. And, you know, traditionally we always expected people, that's just the way it's been, you you go to your doctor. Um, the thought of actually receiving your care um, in a convenient time and not having to take, you know, whether it's uh, children or being able to connect into appointment because you know, it might be your elderly parents and you're at work. So it's total convenience and it gives people options. And I think that's what the exciting part about this is, is because one, it can also uh, integrate other care providers in. So it also reduces the need to tell your story more than once. Absolutely. I really loved talking about that in the user stories, actually, you know, from thinking about a physical building or multiple buildings and having to have separate specialist appointments that you have to um, travel between or, you know, put on different days, whereas virtually that's just a transfer into the next waiting room. So you can go from the endocrinologist to, I don't know, the, the renal specialist or whatever it is if you're a diabetic patient. I just I found those user stories really interesting and, and when the problems were present, presented to us as far as here's the kind of care that we want to give um, and here's some of the thoughts around how, how we produce that workflow, um, getting into the nitty-gritty nitty of like how patients really have to ha kind of adapt to the system rather than the system working for them. Yeah, I think it was just a really interesting use case that we that we hadn't probably entertained before. Um, before really getting into it with the telehealth managers. Can I ask you, so we get questions all the time about buying versus building new systems. So I think traditionally in the market there was products that you could buy and then or you could go with a custom build of a new system yourself. And what that meant was buying a product it might get you 80% there, but it, it might not be 100% for the workflow that you need. And then building your own system, well, that's a lot of time and effort to build it from the ground. So where we sit as PlaceOS is kind of in the middle there. So we're starting with the platforms, but you're not starting with from scratch. And then what we did was just a lot of customization. So can you tell us from your side, I, I just alluded to it actually, but can you tell us from your side who was involved and, and how do we do that next phase better? So who, who was involved in this customization build and who will be involved in that next phase? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, it, it has been such an enjoyable process and I, I do like the fact that we've used the best of both worlds because we have had products, obviously, before that um, that haven't really totally met our clinical need and there's probably some particular things uh 
for uh, large facility or large services such as New South Wales Health, that we have such a large workforce and the requirements that clinicians identify, you know, are very, like a huge really in a way. And it's, it's about listening to the clinicians around what are those things that um, that they need to be able to conduct their their work appropriately, particularly when they're trying to to do it via telehealth. Um, so our first, oh, sorry, our first role with um, pulling this together, we had a lot of telehealth managers, or we had a, a section. Um, pro- I'll start that again, Landell. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, uh, I um, yes. So moving forward, the iteration that we've done now with my virtual care really included a number of telehealth managers and leads across some key areas that had a lot of experience using video conferencing platforms and um, had been using telehealth for such a long time. They obviously have a lot of feedback from clinicians and we didn't involve a lot of carers directly in the build of this and I think that carers and patients in the next one we would really like to uh, get some representatives from the carers and, and patients themselves. And I think um, now that that we've got the platform up and running and be keen to talk to you about some of the feedback that we're getting out of the survey about the platform uh, for you is that there's a lot of clinicians saying, wow, I really like this, but can it do this too? And so they're actually coming to us and telling us about some of the things that actually would uh, make a real difference because the video conferencing component of it is one part, but that's not their total workflow. So there's other things and whether that is, uh, you know, a signed consent form around the medical treatment that's about to happen or whether that's signing off a Medicare form or, you know, there's a whole range of different enhancements that have been flagged with us that have come now directly from clinicians. And I think in the beginning it was a bit like, okay, another platform and, you know, where will this lead to? And it's been something that's been so rewarding to get to to this point where we're at at the moment. Yeah, it's 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 pretty exciting for us too. And I have to say the process was a massive learning curve um, because even though I've worked in healthcare before, it's still, it's eye-opening when you see how other people have to run their day um, oh. and all of the things that that touches. And and to have to, you know, it's a little bit funny in, in a way that, you know, you, you go to a doctor and there's still so much manual things that you have to do. And so a lot of this, this conversation around digitising and, you know, creating the workflow that supports those clinicians but also the patients, that was a really exciting project for me personally. So, yeah, I think both sides of the fence were pretty, pretty happy with the process and, and learning from each other. But what was the kind of rationale behind sort of going halfway and not, not buying off the shelf because I guess nothing was going to really suit the New South Wales health workflow and then not starting from scratch because that was going to be way too expensive. But you guys had a pretty good video conferencing platform in Pexip and you were using it already. It was just more about trying to figure out what, features should work around that workflow, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think too, one of the key uh, areas that made us uh, consider that was really the fact that we had a lot of people that were very familiar with the key functionalities of Pexip. And so to bring in a new platform sometimes is a bit daunting because when we look at the the level of um, staff in New South Wales that, you know, have been trained and supported to date, we didn't really want to lose that momentum and, you know, 
get people feeling like you know we're just changing for change sake so we um, really enjoyed the fact that we could have a platform and then pretend like in essence lay a skin over the top of it and um, have it look and feel you know have that consistent look and feel which is really important for us in in the current climate we have patients that access care all over the place and so today they might be linking into from a rural area into a city hospital and tomorrow they might be linking into their gp and and then the next day they might be going into their nearest regional hospital and each time that they log in to do some virtual care, they are presented with different looks and feels about the different types of technology. So not only is it much better for our clinicians, we're trying to get that really simple, single point of access for virtual care across our state. Oh, and I have to say, I, I should have said this earlier, but one of the things I love about it, and I think you mentioned it before, was that you you have the ability as a participant, like a third party, to come in on the call. So if you're a um, a family member or a carer for somebody, you can actually join in on their virtual consultation, or they might even be in person with a clinician in a regional hospital, and you as a as their daughter or as their daughter or their their um, partner or anything could be living somewhere else and you're able to remote in and actually be part of that consultation so you can be part of the healthcare as well. Uh, well, I think absolutely. And, and that's what's really important to provide holistic health care to patients and their families because um, the patient isn't, um, you know, the only person that actually is a part of that process uh, of supporting somebody's recovery or, or managing uh, an illness, so to speak. So being able to, to bring people in and, and these um, this platform certainly gives us that flexibility because we can have the patient face-to-face and bring in their GP, bring in their family family members and carers and they can be on holidays overseas if they need to be or if that's where they happen to be or we can have everybody virtualized and so often elderly uh, patients talk about the inconvenience that they cause to their children when they are wanting to attend medical appointments because they might have to take a day off work or or um, you know basically you know get the kids childcare, et cetera, so that they can actually attend the appointment with their parents. So I think this also gives that greater flexibility to actually say, well, in my lunch break, or I can plan my break at work and go into a quiet area and access that and be a part of that. And that also um, provides a, you know, a much clearer approach to the person's healthcare because everybody's in the know. And again, it, you know, reduces the need to actually repeat something. And I don't know about any of the people out there listening, but um, my parents come home and sometimes tell me something completely different to what um, was yeah. actually said. And it's and then you go and uh, and I'm fortunate that I work in health and so I might pass the person in the corridor and say, oh, how'd that go? And they say, oh, yes, you know, I'll talk to, you know, because obviously I'm listed as a, a carer on, on my parents' plan, so they're happy to, you know, have a conversation with me about it. But what my mum sometimes would relay to what they relay can sometimes have a lot of distance in between. So I think that really gives that opportunity to be able to be a part of it and say, oh, no, mum, this is what they really were meaning when they said this, just to re-clarify to some of the understanding. But where, what I really like about it is that, you know, if a person has a broader care team, whether that's with an NGO provider, their GP, um, their family and carers and, and other people around them, it gives us the ability to, to bring people in 
and be a part of the conversation uh, and, you know, participate in what the plan should look like. Yeah, uh, it's so good. Um, that's a common problem, I think. When they, <laughs> I think, you know, you have patients who they might be receiving bad news or test results. They might go into some kind of shock. They don't have a medical background themselves, so they might not understand all of the terminology they're being told. Um, if they're elderly parents, they might even have hearing problems or, you know, like can't hear every word. All of that creates you know a disaster for communication and to be able to be a part of their appointments as as a as a um you know as as their carer as their daughter that's really important to me so yeah it's it's so good that we've catered for that workflow um now something that you know a lot about as well and something that the world is just kind of cottoning onto is remote working where are you based Look, I, I'm based in Dubbo and I was um, went to, I was actually moved out of my office because I was based in a hospital at um, Dubbo Base Hospital and moved when COVID hit, I had my desk delivered to home um, two days later. Purely, you know, I was in an environment where I had doctors around me and as the state telehealth lead, I really needed to make sure that I was in a safe environment as well, not only for myself, but also for um, my family um, with a lot of elderly people around myself. So i am been working from home now properly full time for the last eight weeks. It has its ups and downs, particularly when you've got your children not at school. But, you know, I think it's, um, it's, a, it's a really different way to work. Well, I think that what, what what's important as well, so for listeners who don't know, Dubbo is part of Western New South Wales. It's a regional area. It's not in a city centre. How far drive is it from Sydney? Look, yeah, you can do it in six, six, five and a half, six hours. Yeah, so it's a fair distance. Yeah, it's a fair distance. And some of these, you know, important jobs like a New South Wales telehealth manager with clinical for clinical innovation, when businesses are open to it, they can get the right talent and they can base them outside of city centres and I think that um, you know we do that as well with our work because if you've if you've got sort of roles where you can trust people to work remotely or work from different um, offices that are decentralized um, you can you can also get the best person for the job so we've got de- developers who live part-time in Mudgee which is another rural area in rural Tasmania which is a bit random um, just because they're really good at what they do and so there is no need to sort of make a workplace necessarily for them or, yeah, like I, I think that your experience with working remotely is, I don't know, it's just topical, I guess, at the moment. <laughs> yeah, look, I think we're all rethinking the way uh, our workplaces should be and we're virtualising our workforce and no longer do we need to be, you know, in four walls and an office isn't um, sometimes the traditional office anymore. I mean, certainly um, the organisation that I work for, which is the Agency for Clinical Innovation, everybody's been working from home since uh, we've been in COVID, but we always have had, um, you know, flexible work arrangements, which I think is uh, important to, you know, be able to attract and to retain staff. But I think now that COVID has been, it sort of really made people realise that there is more to what a real workplace looks like. And I think, um, you know, we should encourage more people to to um, look outside the square. I mean, certainly my role, um, when it was first advertised, it actually wasn't advertised as a 
uh, a position that could be filled from anywhere. Um, I actually made a phone call and, and suggested that or challenged it really and um, was fortunate enough for them to be able to, un, you know, see the potential in that and then obviously went through a normal merit uh, selection process and was fortunate to get the job. So, I mean, they, they have to obviously be open to that as well. And I think um, in the, you know, the mentality of, of how workplaces have traditionally been, that's all being turned on its head, which is, you know, an exciting time for people because, you know, you can be working for a company based in London or um, in Sydney and, and really be, you know, in a remote community like Dubbo. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, now, you started your career as a teacher before moving into healthcare, so you're a bit of an angel by nature, right? <laughs> uh, so they say you've got plenty of patience. Um, so, yes, I did start out as a primary school teacher, uh, so, and I went to uni in Bathurst, which is another rural um, community, and uh, finishing my teaching uh, university studies, I went and taught in a little place called um, Gilgandra. And then after that, went and taught in uh, London for a couple of years and then um, obviously came home to, to Dubbo for another couple of years. And then I moved into health, um, you know, just by sheer sort of uh, health promotion and early intervention because I had a bit of a passion for, for education and early intervention um, with a mix of health. And then, yes, long story short, that's about uh, 18 years ago and um, I've worked in, uh, you know, mental health, in um, child and family health as well. I've uh, worked for NGOs uh, with Mission Australia and with uh, Royal Far West in Manly as a rural and remote service manager for um, several years and came back into health uh, for in the integrated care strategy, working out in uh, Walgood, which is about three hours west of Dubbo, and then um, saw this job. So yeah, I've had a bit of a a uh, career that has gone in many different directions. Yeah, wow, it's 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 a career of service, I guess, and I think it, it being a parent of a kindergarten age child, we are learning, especially in these uh, times. Oh, God, I am learning just how much creativity teachers must have and how much patience because you can't be up every day. And I've got one kid who's like, no, nah, I don't want to do it. <laughs> and imagine you had one kid every single day or every single exercise in your class of 18 or 20. Um, I think we're learning more and more about just how special teachers are. Yeah, I think um, everybody's appreciating them at the moment, which is lovely because it is, um, you know, it's a real skill to be a teacher and hats off to, to all of them that, um, you know, do it day in, day out and it's often a very thankless job. You know, you might get a present at the end of the year, but um, you really are guiding and shaping that person's, um, you know, education and you know, decisions in life, you know, and it's only a small part of it, but um, certainly parents play a big part, but it um, it is really a good way to, to support shaping a child's future. I know that you, are, you know, absolutely run off your feet, so I didn't want to take up too much time, but I did. Uh, thank you so much for agreeing to, to do the podcast because I think what we've built as far as my virtual care as a product on Place OS is just really important and I can't wait to see what happens next. I really just wanted to say to you that we've treated this as a partnership with you guys and I know that you have too and I wanted to say thanks for working with us and 
removing any of the finger pointing that happens in projects and and you really removed all of that when little things went wrong so it's been incredible to work with you and to put this solution out there at a time when it can really help a lot of patients and health workers and that you know going forward i hope that this just gets bigger and bigger to so that people can access top-notch care more conveniently so I just want to say thanks for your vision and your perseverance and your team should be really proud of the work and the effort that they've put in to date. And yes, just thank you so much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Landau, do you want me to talk about some of the survey results? Oh, yeah, can you? Yeah, because um, and the other thing that I think is probably worthwhile, and so you can chop this in later, uh, like put it in, yeah. you know, into it, but we've got 1,714 people that have actually responded to the patient survey. And I can talk to you a bit about, you know, some of the feedback that we're getting from clinicians about, um, because if we don't treat it as, you know, we haven't, you know, moved to production, maybe if we talk about what the expansion, like the increase that we're expecting over the the next few weeks. And so nobody's really hearing that, you know, we've got this many people in UAT. But do you want me to talk to that sort of stuff? I would love that. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, it would be great to hear it anyway because I think we need to be starting to... Oh, um, we don't need to... Yeah, look, we're... I mean, we've got over 3,500 clinicians using it. Like, you know, that's extraordinary. Um, And, you know, even though we are in a, you know, a UAT environment, it's not something that we ever expected to to get to that big. And, you know, in in the short period of time, the feedback from the clinicians... and, And there are LHDs and clinicians that are basically saying, when can we have it? And I think that is, you know, real testament to the fact that, you know, it is, we've kept it pretty hush-hush because what we didn't want to create is release, extend the platform or the availability of the platform in the middle of, you know, a pandemic. We already had large numbers of people actually using the platform and clinicians talk to each other. And I think that's the, you know, word of mouth is the best way that you can you know if you pick up people through word of mouth and you know that it's actually something that people are passing on saying this is a great product you should try it um, or this is a great tool why aren't you using it which is pretty much what is happening in New South Wales Health we've had that many clinicians actually saying you know when can we use it you know when is our LHD coming on board so I think that's you know a really exciting thing for, for you guys to be aware of as well because it means that we've created something that is of value and um, certainly provides some, you know, further opportunity to, to grow it further. But as it is, people are desperate, or not desperate, I wouldn't say that's the word, but it's they're, they're really wanting to use it and to the point where they actually don't want to go back to the other platforms that they've got on offer. So, you know, that's a huge testament to the to everybody that's been involved in this. And, you know, we've had some long days and some challenging conversations along the way. But, you know, that's what project, um, well, software development is, you know, really all about because everybody comes to this with a, you know, a perceived need and interest. And, you know, it's about working together to actually make those things a reality. Um, I th- the other thing that I just thought was really interesting is that we have a patient survey that um, pops up for our patients to uh, well, to answer at the end of their consultation. Over between the 30th of um, January and the 4th of May, we've had over uh, 1,700 responses in in uh, from the survey. And I think one of the loveliest things that we've seen is that out of five, the overall rating is 4.33. So, 
you know, there were so many wonderful comments from patients that were, you know, basically thanking um, individual clinicians and being able to access their care in this way, how easy they felt um, it was to use and, you know, how convenient it was as well. But most of the, you know, to get a rating like that at this point when we've really only been using it for, you know, a short period of time is, is really quite good. The other thing that I would love to share with you is that one of the questions said, will you consider receiving further care using my virtual care? And uh, 92% of people replied yes, or 92.8, you know. So, you know, that is really wonderful. And and out of the the 7%, Uh, of people that replied no. It was more so about I really do like, you know, going in and seeing my my clinician face-to-face. So, um, you know, it certainly wasn't because of the platform provided any problems for them. It was more about their own personal choice. So that that is absolutely, uh, you know, huge um, feedback really, particularly when we're in a place in New South Wales, where virtual care probably wasn't, you know, a norm and where, you know, COVID has really changed the way that we look and receive uh, or look at and receive healthcare. And um, that's, you know, certainly pleasing to see. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, we, like, that is just so good. It makes a lot of that worth it, doesn't it? You know, all of those kind of um, nitty gritty details that we had to get into and then for the decisions that we made based on that and then to have 92% of people say that they'd use it again. That's that's exactly what we want to be up. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm that, actually. Yeah, we'll send you the survey results for you as where they're at at the moment just for your own um, information. But, you know, there's other little questions around, you know, what benefits were there for you? And these are directly at patients and, you know, 70% of patients responded totally. It was about convenience. Um, and, you know, there were, I mean, obviously they could choose um, more than one response. And so then the next highest ones were they were able to stay closer to home um, and that um, they uh, basically were able to receive advice to help them with their conditions without having to leave home um, and allowed other members of their family to participate. And, that, you know, they really just um, felt that it was really easy and convenient. So, you know, I think it's... Um, you know, fantastic that there's such a positive impact around accessing care, but also using this, uh, using my virtual care. Yeah. And, and it's, I mean, the trend for telehealth was already there. People obviously had a demand for it, but I think COVID just accelerated those trends much like they have with like working remotely and having video conferencing for meetings and things like that. It's kind of the thing that's forced people into, into really analysing what's the best way to do this. Yeah, that's right. And I think in some circumstances, a pandemic is, whilst it's, you know, not the best circumstances, for people's own safety, they wanted to, you know, it was important for them to still, you know, be accessing their healthcare and and continue to manage and monitor their own care. But they also sometimes felt like they were putting themselves at risk going into a a health facility. So, um, if you can still receive that care that you need um, at home or in the comfort of your own home or if you, you know, were able to remain at work, then I just think that was um, something that, uh, you know, is, is, has been hugely beneficial for just maintaining our own level of health during a during this time. And, and what are some of the features that they're requesting? Like what are they saying would be great if they had? Uh, so for, from a clinician's perspective? 
Yeah. Yeah. So some of the things uh, that they're talking about is uh, being able to, you know, there's a lot of duplication, obviously, sometimes when people are in one system and they have to go out and report their activity. So um, whether they can actually um, report their activity in the system. So if we can somehow manage that, certainly the ministries agree to, to support that. Uh, there's been a lot of interest around the signing of forms, so being able to have, you know, like a, a form uploaded so it becomes, you know, some you know, a Google Doc form that you can, you know, re- just sign. Um, like or something like right? So for the first one, we could integrate with something like a um, electronic me- medical record so that anything that you're typing into your notes could be then stored against that patient in their EMR. Yeah, so that is um, that is absolutely something that, you know, we can talk about, I think, in the next iteration is really about that integration into the EMR. But then um, in further to that, like, we actually have to report our um, activity and how we spend our time. And so that's another system that people have to do. So there's so much duplication and, and it's really not that um, difficult and time consuming, um, but it's still another thing that they have to do. Um, other things around um, an app, um, there's things things that we've actually raised and have been resolved as well, like being able to mute the participant uh, from the other end and, you know, being able to remove your self-view. So those things were already um, being able to do. Um, you spoke about the transcript of the waiting room. Um, so being able to... to um, yeah, move that into a medical record, adding a recording solution to it. Um, somebody asked us to put a clock in the in the top corner so that they could um, keep track of time. Um, whether it could integrate into the booking schedule of the systems, because obviously this isn't a, a you know it's not a booking schedule uh, like scheduling tool as such, but um, you know patients do enter the time of their appointments but being able to totally integrate those down the track would be interesting um uh, adding in symptom checkers uh, so people could check off you know some of the things that they're feeling today um, or even identifying specific clinics so we've got um, one room in north sydney lhd which is an outpatients clinic and um, there would be something like 300 clinicians in that room and there's you know five or five to ten uh, services that are run out of that outpatients clinic but it's all a part of one outpatient clinic so when the patient comes in um, the clinicians see everybody in that outpatients clinic so we are revising those types of things but there's been some things around that um, and then even um, you know people putting in their postcodes um, or their address and actually identifying the distance between um, the two call or the, the participants in the call um, that's really good yeah so that's a really cool one to, to be able to think about but you know we don't want to give our competitors too many um, <laughs> um, ideas so we might keep some of those under wraps. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. But, it, but the, the, even even with competitors, there's not there's nothing really that's doing um, the Any same different. thing. Yeah, yeah. But, well, because to build that, our competitors would have to like build it from scratch and hard code it all. Whereas where you, when you're building it with Place OS, that's you're just talking about integration with different products and then a couple of front end changes. Yeah, like, that's that, that's the benefit of it. You could get that that done pretty quickly the trick is always with the processes of a government organization and then the apis on the other end of the the dependencies that we would have so like whether the emr system would allow us to connect via rest api and 
right information to their system. Yeah, that'll be really um, interesting. I mean, there was even, you know, one of the features that um, the development team picked up, which um, came in, you know, rather late when we were doing a demonstration, like, you know, the system was already in use, um, was really around the the risk around um, displaying clinicians' last names, particularly with services that... Um, that they wouldn't normally show their patients their last names um, just for, you know, just for some added uh, privacy and confidentiality. And so, you know, your team um, or Place OS team really worked um, to, I mean, they totally understood that and they were able to, to meet the service request um, to be able to, you know, remove and or change the details of, of the clinician if needed be while still being, you know, logged in as, as you you know your normal um, name so um so being authenticated under your own name and but then showing up on the screen as a different name which might be you know your maiden name or it could be just your first name or sometimes we've got doctors with such long last names that you know particularly if you're a pediatrician you know you might not be known as you know um you know the doctor with the long name you might be just known as dr bob you know, and so you can actually pull out your last name and write, you know, Dr. Bob, you know, if you wanted to. And I think that really, um, they're some of the things that really makes this solution really unique and fit our needs. So, you know, there's sort of been, there's been nothing really that has really um, challenged the, the team and they've been fantastic to work for. Um, you know, so we, we certainly can't fault it. It's been such a great experience. Ah, oh, likewise. Um, can I ask another question just about the types of people who are accessing my virtual care at this time? Are they what what's is there any data about like what the patients are coming in for? Um, look, we've got something like uh, 90 uh, clinical services in, in the system at the moment. And just while I'm talking to you, I'm just opening that up to, to be able to talk to in a bit more detail for you. Um, and I think, you know, one of the key things about um, my virtual care is that it's it's just been so flexible for us to be able to set up our own clinics and, and um, be service specific if we needed to be. So that's been, you know, absolutely fabulous. But we've got um, health and fitness coaching services. We've got a lot of mental health services, palliative care. Um, we've certainly got um, hospital in the home services, pediatric services, uh, people recovering from surgery. Uh, surgery also, there's um, rooms in there. Lots of child and family health and women's health services um, and a lot of aged care services into residential um, aged care facilities. We've got a burns clinic. We've got a lot of cancer services, um, whether they're radio, radiography, oh, sorry, I said that wrong, a lot of cancer services that are in there uh, for oncology and for radiation. There's cardiac services. There's um, genetics, home nursing, endocrinology, diabetes services, uh, certainly a lot of neonatal and neurology services. We've got um, some really interesting clinical trials um, or research projects that are using it as well. Um, allied health services such as occupational therapy and pharmacy, social work. Um, so this, you know, we've got orthotics even um, that are using it. So 
you know, I, th I think that, um, you know, there's certainly so many different services that are using it, um, which is, you know, fabulous to see. Pain, cystic fibrosis, like the list goes on. Um, you know, I just think that it's such a flexible platform that it just uh, really reflects the clinical workflows of um, our services, which is why it's been so easy for uh, these clinics to get set up and start using it. Oh, wow. That's just such a big breadth of um, patients. And yeah, what's interesting is that as, as a lay person, a, a pandemic hits and you go, oh, shit, like, you know, the, the health system's going to be under so much strain. And, and you're really just consumed by, you know, news after news of, you know, coronavirus counts and deaths and all of that. But really, it's it just adds to the the workload. Like patients with cancer and diabetes and heart disease, they still go on, and um, then there's side effects of you know even an up uptake in like well an increased risk of domestic violence or the um, increased like I, I was listening to a podcast this morning about domestic violence rates and people presenting in South Australia or Queensland. Um, it's not necessarily that there's more events, but they are actually more um, like the injuries are much worse than what they are normally. So the combination of having people at home, stuck at home, um, more alcohol, um, lost jobs, money stress, all of that, and the incidences of or, or the severity of domestic violence going up and people. So uh, it's just, you know, it's, it just brings me to the forefront that how important the healthcare system is, not just for a pandemic, but for all of the things that happen. And to have tools that, you know, you can customise to that workflow is just, that's just a really important thing that we can kind of contribute to. It's nice. Yeah, well, I mean, our tools are our, um, you know, lifeblood really to be able to get our jobs done effectively and efficiently because, um, you know, you're right, you know, the doors don't shut when a pandemic hits, care needs to continue and for a whole range of services, if they don't, people become very unwell and, and sometimes, um, you know, if things are mismanaged, you know, you can't always revert the symptoms. So, uh, I think it's been really important that we've had platforms that we can, uh, you know, have been able to just enhance really quickly um, with their capacity to be able to meet the demand that um, we had come through our doors. I think um, in one week we had over 200,000 people join our platforms um, and that's across all of the platforms that we use but um, they were participants that were accessing care so that's extraordinary when you hear stuff like that because it's like wow that you know that's a huge amount of people and um, we we certainly have seen the graphs from you know in February um, you know where the rates were of the number of calls etc and then how quickly that went up so in New South Wales Health we had to increase the capacity um, tenfold to be able to cope with the demand so you know where we were able to um, you know uh, have 2,000 calls at any one time, we now can have 10,000 calls. So, you know, it's, um, you know, something that's just had to have happened uh, for us to be able to understand, you know, the needs of the community and to be able to keep people healthy. Those numbers are staggering. 
Yeah, it's extraordinary, really. And and I think, you know, at the end of this, you know, when we all get time to actually take a breath and, you know, we've got our frontline workers and we've got all of the unsung heroes, you know, standing behind right from our cleaners to our telehealth people, um, you know, the people delivering the stock into the hospitals, all of that sort of stuff. You know, we've got so many people that there's nobody that's been insignificant in being able to meet um, the needs around COVID to get, you know, where we are today. And, and that's a true testament to to everybody really that has um, you know been in this situation or been helping in this situation because we flattened that curve purely because we had um, you know a massive you know everybody was just banding together and you know everybody was so thankful that people did hear those um, needs to you know take self-isolation seriously because um, we didn't really want a repeat of what's happened overseas and at this point we're very fortunate to be where we are. Yeah for sure. Oh well Donna stay safe thanks so much for your time um you just you're just good to talk to. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god thank you so much I've just enjoyed myself so much. (laughs) 